Let's do it. Let's do it. Broadcasting from around the world, you're listening to The First 100, a podcast on how founders acquired their first 100 paying customers. Here's your host, Hadi Rodwan. Today we have on the show Bobby Pinero, the founder of Equals, a data tool that enables startups to analyze data from any source in a fast way with little coding knowledge. Equals has raised $6.6 million from David Sachs at Craft Ventures with participation from Box Group, Work Life Ventures, and founders from Intercom, Front, Lattice, and Vanta. Welcome to the show, Bobby. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on, Hadi. So you want to replace Excel. Take us to the top and explain to our listeners how you're different from Excel. Yeah. So my background is I've been an analyst for the last decade. I've used Excel every single day of my life. I've lived in that tool. And Equals comes from a place of the spreadsheet is actually the best way to work with data. You know, over the past decade, there's been, alongside Excel, there have been an explosion of new data tools, uh, new ways to interact with data, new ways to build analyses, new ways to build dashboards, things like that. But most of them at the core have this premise of, let's take you out of the spreadsheet. Let's give you a new way to work with data. Let's give you a new, fancier, pretty way to build a dashboard. Let's give you some way to write code, to do analyses, things like that. And my frustration in kind of seeing all of those tools pop up, and I think a lot of folks kind of share this frustration, is that you actually just want a spreadsheet. You want a tool that gives you the flexibility to build anything that you need to. Most of the times when you're working with data, you need to do some sort of manipulation of that data before you can build the analyses. And so a spreadsheet actually allows you to do that. Now, you know, that's the reason or one of the main reasons why we all kind of always end up back in Excel. However, if you look at the way that analyses, particularly in tech companies, has evolved over the last decade, analysis doesn't just start with, hey, let me open my spreadsheet now, right? Analysis doesn't start with, let me open up Excel. It starts with, hey, my data is in a SQL database. Hey, my, spread, uh, my data is in Stripe. My data is in Salesforce. My data is in... Uh, Mixpanel and Intercom and HubSpot, all these other places. And the way in which you get your data is actually really critical. The way in which you define how you get your data, the way in which you pull it and join it together with other data sources is really critical. And so if you start with the premise of the spreadsheet is actually the best way to do analysis, but then Excel actually doesn't incorporate that portion of doing analysis, of pulling in data from different places, of showing how you got your data, of documenting uh, where it came from, that's just a broken workflow. And so Equals is trying to kind of incorporate a full-featured spreadsheet that you already know how to use, that works just like Excel, but then incorporates that part of that step of the analysis of where do I get my data, how do I show how I got my data, how do I automate that part of my work as much as possible. So are you targeting founders or companies who do not know how to code or does that require specific skill set to get equals active on someone's platform let's say we do both so there's two ways of interacting with data in equals we've got a low code no code way so you can interact with say for example your sql database or you can inter interact with you can pull stripe data for example with our uh, we call it a visual editor it's basically a drag and drop kind of WYSIWYG. You can pull a table down, you can apply filters, sorts, limits, things like that, because we know not everyone is technical. And one of the most important things in you know, making analyses accessible to everybody is 
giving them the access to the database and access to the actual data. And we also know that, you know, writing code and writing, for example, SQL, or you can write, you know, JavaScript or Python scripts to pull in data from any API you want to into equals. And we know that that's actually really powerful because it gives somebody who does have a little bit more technical skills the full flexibility to pull in any single data set that they possibly want to into equals. So we kind of spin both. both. That's amazing. Thank you for sharing this. The best products are built by founders who are scratching their own itch. Now, how did you validate that this is a pain point for other people as well? Did you do any market research, any validation techniques you can share with us? For sure. Yeah. Before we started Equals, my, my co-founder and I were both early Intercom employees. I ran finance and analytics at Intercom. Uh, my co-founder ran growth at Intercom. And so, you know, in many ways, Equals is the product that we wish it existed when we were doing that. And before we started Equals, you know, I went out and talked to probably through my network, at least a hundred people. And, you know, there's a book called the mom test, which I read before that, you know, I have mixed feelings to a certain extent about like how much you should actually listen to like customer interviews or like prospect interviews before you've actually built anything, but certainly went before we raised money, before we did wrote any line of code, uh, went out, talked to people, understood their workflows, understood what kind of the biggest pain points were in building analyses, understood why they ended up back in a spreadsheet, when they use a spreadsheet versus when they use other tools. You know, a lot of it was kind of making sure that the experience and the theses that I had built from my own uh, time in, in this role was consistent across other teams. Excellent. Thank you for that. And as I can see on your website, you already have a pricing scheme there, which is around $250 per month for startups. It would be interesting if you could share with us if that was your original price or did it change and how did you reach that? Because a lot of founders, especially in the SaaS world, don't know where to start. What's the best sweet, sweet spot to get a price where a customer is willing to pay and they're getting the right value out of the price? For sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, we've experimented a bit with pricing. We certainly have more experimentation to do. We're still early there, but you know, my advice to founders and, you know, I've heard a lot of advice in the kind of other direction. My advice is charge as soon as you can and charge push price as much as you can kind of early on. It's, it's the highest in indication way to see whether or not somebody's getting value from your product and whether or not they actually want what you're selling. And so a lot of folks say like, hey, don't charge, just get people active on the product, just get them using it, just get them ingrained in it and then figure out how to charge them for it later. It can be a mistake because you can just chase customers or chase users who want to use you in a very particular way, but don't actually get a lot of value from it. And they're using you kind of regularly, but when it comes down to paying, they're not actually going to fork over real dollars for the product or the pain point that you're solving. So charging people is where the rubber hits the road in terms of like, are you creating value for your users? So the earlier you can prove that and the earlier you can actually kind of demonstrate that, the better. And then we've experimented with a few different pricing models. We had a much cheaper pricing model. 250 a month is, you could argue, is relatively expensive. Now for the value that we provide, I actually think it's, most folks think it's a pretty good deal. But we experimented with a $19 a month price plan. What we found is it's just, it's so cheap that it's also, people aren't willing to kind of invest and get set up. There's less urgency around kind of getting into the product. 
getting it set up, seeing success for it. And so the lower the price point, it was actually the worst performing, both from a generating ARR perspective, but also from a retention perspective. And so one thing I'd say here is like, it kind of comes back to like, you know, hey, keep pushing on price, getting people set up. And the more that you can kind of like charge people, the more you're actually going to find out, are they getting value from the product? Are they actually invested in it? Are they wanting to use it? Are they committed to using it? You'll find that out faster. Do you remember your first customer? Of course. How did you get them? Are they still with you? They're still with us. Yes. And our first customer came in through, so Part of our strategy around equals, uh, given that I was in the kind of the role of the folks that we were selling into, and like we talked about equals as a product that I wish it existed. I spent a lot of time in the first year while we were kind of really building out the product, writing content, putting things into the world that I kind of called them like letters to myself, things that I wish I had known seven, eight years ago when I was in the role that I was in at Intercom. So everything from like some insights into what I think is happening in the kind of analytics space, when to make your first finance hire as a founder, how to run a budgeting process, what it's like to run a fundraising process, things that I'd kind of experienced and again, wish I had known in the role that I was in previously. And our first customer came in through that content. It was a CFO at a very early stage company, wrote in because they were excited about a blog post that I'd put out there. We started talking, we built a little bit of a relationship. He was asking me about some other things that was going on fundraising wise, business wise. And then I went in to do a little demo for uh, him and his team and they were excited about it and they tried it out. And now they're one of our most active and still many, many, many months with us uh, customer. Amazing. That's good to know. If you were to look back at your marketing strategy or your acquisition strategy for your first hundred customers. How did it look like? Are you still experimenting with the same one? Do you have a scalable one? Can you talk a little bit or elaborate a little bit more on this? Yeah. So content has just been a huge, huge thing for us. I kind of think about it as it's not content that is, hey, this is what equals is, or this is what equals does for you. It's again, it comes back to, hey, I know what it's like to be this in your seat. I know what it's like to be a founder, be an early finance operator, be an early analytics person. And so the more that I can tell stories and the more that I can kind of help people in those positions, the more folks come to us, the more they kind of see equals, see me and think about us as like a, an entity that creates value for them and they share it with other folks. And so I'd say most of our first hundred customers came in through kind of building up that content, building up that brand, building up a reputation of being a company that puts out thoughtful, helpful, and interesting kind of pieces. And then we've experimented a little bit with outbound uh, marketing. So sending out emails and you know targeted emails, hyper-personalized emails, things like that, where we think we can be particularly helpful. That's worked to a certain degree. Wonderful things about Equals is that it's a really straightforward product. Like if you show screenshots of the product or if you show videos of the product, uh, for the most part, people understand it immediately. And so we do a lot of uh, putting the product out there, putting the product first and um, you know, launching versions of the product, doing little demo recordings that we post on social media, things like that. And uh, some of those have gained some uh, pretty interesting traction. Which channel do you think is 
the most lucrative for you? Which one will you double down in the future on? Is it email marketing? Is it continuing with your content strategy? Certainly continuing on the content strategy. That's the one that's maybe a little bit harder to quantify, but it's also one that I think if you ask most folks about how early users, how they found out about equals to begin with, it was, hey, I somebody sent me this blog post or I saw this post on LinkedIn or uh, kind of that was like the first introduction into who we are and our brand. And so we'll certainly continue to do that. And then beyond that, we'll continue to do a lot of, you know, we're a product first company. The product is core and central to who we are. And so we'll continue to put that out into the world and uh, lead with that because that's been really fruitful for us. When you discuss about your content strategy, have you built funnels into your strategy, meaning people who come and read your blog or article, are they signing up immediately or is there some sort of funnel that you take them through? And that's actually been really intentional. I think a lot of content marketing not done poorly, but I like, I think there's a lot of content marketing out in the world right now. A lot of it feels very marketing E a lot of it feels very, let me put you in my funnel. Let me capture, here's a white paper. Let me capture your email or here's my blog post. Okay. Give us your email. And then we're going to put you into some nurture campaign where we send you five more white papers and you know, this other email and people I think are pretty sick of that. And so very genuinely our content is like I said before, it's like content that we wish existed for ourselves that would have made it our lives better had we read it seven, eight years ago when we were in the roles of the people who were trying to uh, sell to. If you go on our blog, for example, there really isn't sign up here, give us your email address. It's more of, hey, we just want to put content out that's really helpful to you and interesting and has an opinion and is, you know, maybe has an opinion that's a little bit different than everybody else. And then we'll trust that you'll see equals and okay, maybe you won't sign up for us immediately, but maybe the third blog post that you read, you're like, oh, well, this seems kind of smart. I like what they're saying. They're interesting. Maybe they've got a point. Maybe I should try this product as well. You know, you hope it kind of goes in that direction because I find the overly kind of put people into a funnel marketing type thing. You know, we haven't tried it, so I don't know if it would work or not, but I think it's a little bit overdone. How long did it take you to get your first hundred paying customers? A few months. That's fast. And they're all paying, right? All pay. You don't have a free version. Correct. All paying. Yeah. And how did you determine, like, I go paid or freemium model? Was there a discussion like you would give some of the features for free and then someone wants to upgrade, they get an additional one. It, it would be interesting also to know your thought process on this. Yeah. I'd say a few things here. One is we thought a lot about paid and free, and this really comes down to at least the way I think about it is like, think about who your audience is and what they're trying to do with the product. And then also how much setup there is on your product, how much they have to invest up front to get uh, successful. I think actually the more they have to invest up front to get successful, less likely a free version is to work. So for equals, for example, in order for you to really be successful and to kind of see a differentiator from call it Google Sheets or Excel, the most valuable thing you can do is connect a data source. And connecting a data source is like a pretty high hurdle for getting started on a product. And so we're not a product like, say, for example, like Notion, where you just sign up and you're in the product, you're in there, you start writing a doc, you've got like a little thing and you really don't have to do anything to get started. So there's so many, so many people can do that. 
not as many people are going to be able to immediately connect the data source. And so we kind of went away from having a free version just because we thought, hey, actually qualifying who's willing to connect the data source, who's going to go through that work is actually better for us. And then in general, in my career, I've seen it's a little bit counterintuitive, but the more friction that you can add into a signup process, usually that actually converts better. So when we had a free trial, it converted worse to paid customer. When we had, you could self-serve and sign up online by yourself without talking, without going through an onboarding call, it converted worse. Actually, you know, we found this at Intercom too, is you put the credit card requirement up front, you ask for people's credit card from the get-go, the conversion rate was just, it's just higher. I don't know exactly the psychology behind it. Like maybe it's people are, once they put their credit card in, they're more invested, they're more willing to give it a go, they're more willing to try. And there's certainly aspects around if you give people a free trial, they're more likely to just be tire kickers, kind of like play around, press a few things and leave. And then you have to build all these like campaigns and ways to like re-engage them. And, you know, you got to build paywalls to make sure that they can convert in different points and different points in the product at different points in time. And if you're an early stage company, you might just not have the resources to go and figure all that out, at least in the get-go. So again, my takeaway on this is like, ask people to pay and ask people to pay up front earlier in the process. I've seen that only convert better. Perfect. Thank you for that advice. You raised recently 6.6 million. Walk us through the strategy that you deployed to convince investors to put money in equals. How long did the process take? What strategy did you deploy primarily? Yeah, I mean, we raised money over the course of uh, the, the process itself was a couple of weeks. The main thing with investors is that you just got to remember that they've got their own bosses as well. They've got their LPs that they've got to return money to. And so the big thing for us is, you know, whenever I approach any sort of fundraising process, it's okay. The incentives for a VC are they've got to very clearly understand in a seed stage how this is a 10 to 20 to 30 X return for them. I like how this, this is something that returns the fund for them. And, um, you know, my main job in that process is how do I paint a picture of this is as big of an opportunity as you could possibly imagine. And if we figure this out, this is something that will get you the returns that you are looking for and the, the one, the returns that make your LPs happy. And so I kind of approach it from that perspective. And, you know, I find that that helps frame the conversation, not so much as like, here are a handful of metrics in the business and like, look how good we're doing more of like, hey, no, this is the thing that we nail this, and this is one of the biggest business opportunities in the world. Perfect. Well positioned. A final question for you. What's next for Equals? Lots of exciting things. So we're, we're focused on right now building out, continuing to develop and iterate the product for you know early stage. Equals is a spreadsheet. Looks and feels just like Excel. A lot of the kind of core concepts are the same. And um, some of the most valuable things that you can do with equals are, you know, you can build a model, say, for example, that has multiple different data sources in it. You can have one spreadsheet that's got data from your SQL database, Stripe, Salesforce, and call it, you know, Mixpanel, Intercom, whatever you want, all in one place working together. Uh, you can automate the entire thing. And the next thing we're doing is building all sorts of really powerful ways 
on top of that to be able to join that data, to be able to work with it, to be able to pivot it before you put it into the spreadsheet, things like that. And really magical things that we get to do because we own the actual spreadsheet itself as opposed to being, you know, relying on things like Excel or Google Sheets. Bobby, thank you for being part of our show. We wish you best of luck with your journey at Equals. Thanks so much for having me on, Hadi. This was really fun. Have a great day. Thank you so much for listening to The First 100. We hope it inspired you in your journey. If you're enjoying the podcast, please subscribe to our podcast on Apple iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or Spotify, and share it with a friend starting their entrepreneurship journey. Leave us a five-star review. Your support will help spread our podcast to more viewers.